You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Final hour on this Wednesday. It'll be busy. We'll check in with the Browns. We'll also check in with the great Al Michaels. Sunday night football, the season finale. Winning you're in. My Chargers go to Las Vegas to battle the Raiders. The winner-take-all playoff spot on the line Sunday 7 Eastern on NBC and Peacock. Got a poll question. We'll update the results. Seton doing the honors today, 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address dp at danpatrick.com, Twitter handle at dpshow. In the NBA, small market teams struggle to recruit free agents because it's hard to have a star turn down Miami for Cleveland. And last night, the Grizzlies-Cavs game was a reminder that teams can still find success through the draft. Now, yes, I was watching this game. Grizzlies took home the win. I love watching John Morant. He is a true star in the league. Jaron Jackson Jr., the third, contributed 22 for Memphis. I like the Cavs this year. They are currently holding the fifth seat in the Eastern Conference. Uh, Evan Mobley, who was my pick for Rookie of the Year, uh, had 17 points. Uh, Darius Garland is good. He finished with 27. But just watching some of these teams, now anybody can watch the Lakers or Golden State or, you know, even the Nets. But uh, sometimes you have to kind of fight the urge to change the channel to something else. Watching Cleveland, we've got some stars there. And maybe they can turn Kevin Love into uh, a commodity, a trading commodity, and, and get something else in return for them. But they're not winning, winning anything anytime soon. But it is fun to see this. And then meanwhile, I watched the Sacramento Kings, who have been a mess for, you know, decades, it feels like. And they played the Lakers. LeBron James, by the way, is as much criticism as he faces, has played remarkable. He, he can't carry a team for a longer period of time like he once did. But, man, if you say you got to carry us through a, a series or through a week, he can do that, and he played well. The big news was Russell Westbrook, no turnovers, and they ended up – now they had to struggle to beat the Sacramento Kings. Did he not play last night? Is that why – No, he up? did play. Oh, that's I assumed a, he was a That's stretch. a fair point. That's a fair point. <laughs> Clay Thompson's coming back this weekend, and Golden State, to me, is going to be the team to beat. They have been good without him. And I think Phoenix is going to be there the rest of the season. I don't know what the Lakers are. And I'm supposed to know after Christmas, but I don't know because Anthony Davis isn't there. Do they make a deal prior to the trade deadline? But you start to look at these teams. Kyrie is coming back with the Nets. The Nets are desperate. But as Nick Wright pointed out last hour, if you know that one of your star players can't play home games, then... Why would you make this push to be one of the top four seeds? Don't you want to be playing a majority of your playoff games on the road? Because then you get Kyrie Irving. I thought it was a great point there. Do you tank so you make sure you don't finish in the top four seeds? But that's just something to keep an eye on when it comes to what's going on with Kyrie. Yes, Eden. Yeah, I think the other thing, too, not to get too far down this rabbit hole, too, but the mayor in New York City just changed, and he has a very different stance on COVID and opening up businesses and private versus public and all of those things. I mean, that could open up everything for the Nets just like that. Yeah. Eric Adams. Yes, uh, Paulie. Is there anything this mayor could do for the Knicks? Like uh, delegate them a good basketball player or two? (laughs) He's going to help the Nets. He's got to help. I watch the Knicks. You know, they were a feel good story last year. I don't feel too good about the Knicks this year. 
Zach Jackson covers the Browns. He's an NFL writer for The Athletic, and I'm still fascinated with what's going on and the decision, I guess, by Baker Mayfield to shut himself down. Here's Baker, and then we'll talk to Zach Jackson. Yeah, I mean, there's an opportunity to win. I'm an extremely competitive guy. I think you guys know that. I think now it's time for me to start, you know, looking at what's in the best interest for me and my health. Let's bring in uh, Zach Jackson, who covers the Browns and the NFL for The Athletic. Why make this decision now, Zach? Why, why is Baker not playing next week? Why did he play last week? Well, the simple answer is the Browns are eliminated. And by the time they were officially eliminated, Dan, he had already put in the week of preparation. Okay. But, you know, what's most notable from that conversation is he said, I'm going to talk to my agents. I'm going to talk to my family before we officially decide. He did not say I'm going to talk to the coach, I'm not going to talk to the Browns. So it feels like it's Browns dysfunction season. Again, there's an incredible level of disappointment. And the offense just bottomed out over the, the uh, you know last couple months of the season. So no doubt Baker was hurt, but he just did not play well. And it felt like the disconnect was always there, really going back to October. And so what's next? You know, none of us know. But, uh, you know, from someone who covers the Browns, it feels like Baker's going to go on IR. And that's the last time we're going to hear from him for a long, long time. I mentioned this a couple of times during the show, and I apologize to my audience for repeating myself, but I'll say it to you. When you play through pain and you're successful, we write stories about you. They make movies about that. He played through pain and didn't play well. Were the Browns better served with him in there playing hurt, or would they have been better served with Case Keenum? You know, there were times going back to the middle part of the season where I wrote, there's no way that they're playing the best quarterback. Like he's in such pain and he's playing so poorly that he's not giving them the best chance. So we come to December, they have their bye week. The GM, Andrew Barry, goes on the record and says Baker is healthy enough to win and we expect him to play his best over the the last five weeks. That did not happen. So now you add the contract situation, the guarantee for next year. It really just, like I said, bottoming out four interceptions on Christmas Day, nine sacks the other night. He, he says the protection scheme, you know, gave him no chance. Um, we don't know where this is going to go, but it's it's clearly, you know, no joy around the team and a big question on his future, because I don't think the Browns can win with Baker Mayfield and the Browns have to decide, is there a better option? And there might not be. And what do you do? You know, how much do you weigh the injury in deciding, can you bring him back next year to a roster that's really good? And the defense was lights out over the past five or six games. Explain his contract if you can. So they picked up the fifth year option on his rookie deal uh, last May. And when they did that, that was a no brainer. So he's guaranteed to make $19 million next year. That, that money's guaranteed. If they were to trade him, it would be no dead money. But I think they want to move on, Dan. I just don't know what a better option would be. Free agency doesn't you know, provide a great one. If you wanted to say, go the Mariota or Mitch Trubisky route, could Baker coexist with those guys? And then realistically, could you go make a trade for Russell Wilson, for Deshaun Watson, for Derek Carr? You know, no one knows right now. And if those guys do get traded, the Browns certainly aren't going to be the only suitor. I like what the Browns have. I mean, they have the nucleus here to be a great team. And a lot of people had high expectations for this team. And it's not just on Baker. I don't know if you got to see the Manning cast, Zach, but the Mannings in real time were really calling out Kevin Stefanski and Baker Mayfield with what, what's the game plan here? The formation here. You got a guy with a banged up shoulder. TJ Watt is running wild here. Um, they were they were pretty critical of the Browns. Uh, are, are, is Stefanski facing this criticism locally? 
Yeah, he is. Um, that's not the only game that we sat in the press box or sat where we sat and said said the same thing, right? I mean, they haven't had the full complement of running backs when they've had Chubb and Hunt together. They've averaged 28 points a game. Um, otherwise, they've struggled to get over 14. So, But yeah, were they too pass happy? Yes. Is this all on Baker? No. But there were a lot of times he either didn't see or couldn't see guys. There's a lot of times he missed guys. And then you go back at the end of the game and you do say, why in this situation is he throwing 34 times, 36 times? And so you go back to the bigger question, why is he even out there if he's in this much pain and this is his performance? Because it wasn't once, it wasn't twice. It was multiple times where he played some of the worst games an NFL quarterback could play. And I'm thinking about this, if Aaron Rodgers is going to be in the market, they're going to want to trade him to an AFC team, not an NFC team. So Denver and Cleveland could compete for him. Uh, Deshaun Watson, who knows what's going to happen there? I don't know if it matters where he goes, just that he finally goes. I don't know if you look at the draft, um, if you could if you could have a gap year year. Um, I, I don't know. There, it, it just feels like there's uncertainty there with Baker Mayfield. And, and, and it feels like he's calling a lot more shots than he should be calling, given his position. Is that a fair assessment? Uh, I think he's trying to call those. I think we don't know who's really calling them, right? These guys have been there for two years. We had the pandemic. Yeah. And the first year was kumbaya. Everything was great. It was the best season this franchise has had in 20 years. And this year, it bottomed out. And so to the fan base, to ownership, this is the second time in three years that Baker's played poorly and the expectations have not been met. I agree. The roster's good. Expectations should be high. So what happens is I think they pursue a trade. But, you know, if you can't get one of those top guys that you mentioned, then you probably can't. Do you really want to go the Matt Ryan road? Kirk Cousins? You know, I'd be all for Derek Carr if you can do it. I don't know that you can do it. He's under contract for one more year. The Raiders will have to decide when they get their new bosses. So the draft doesn't look great. You know, maybe the Browns will be picking 10th or 11th and they'll consider that. But I think, Dan, I think the team wants to move on. I just don't yeah. know what those options will be as they present themselves four weeks and even, you know, all the way through four, six months from now. And you got the rise of Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. Like, you know, being, being from Ohio, yeah. I, I know how this works. You know, the Buckeyes got a great quarterback. The Bengals got a great quarterback. Browns, not so much. Yeah, and, and it's like a year from now, if Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, who you just mentioned, like the Browns aren't going to be in position to be taking, picking a top-five quarterback, yeah. right? So they're they're built to win now, and that's the urgency. I do think, like I said, that I do think they will go after a quarterback, but I can't say with any level of certainty, and I don't think they can either right now, You know, can you really trade for an A-plus quarterback or even a B-plus quarterback um, You know, and go forward thinking you can win the Super Bowl next year? Uh, now that Odell Beckham is gone and producing for the Rams, was how much of a problem was Odell Beckham to this team? Yeah, that was a big part of the season. I mean, Baker's made vague mentions to internal strife, and, and we're left to assume um, that a lot of it was then because he's just never answered it. But, you know, I just think there was frustration, as Stefanski mentioned this, of, of the results, um, of the injury. But just time and time again, they needed to make simple passes and they couldn't do it. And they threw too much, right? And and so to, to, to sit and watch at home Sunday, know that your playoff chances are dead, and then go get them sacked nine times on Monday, it's it's it was the most disappointing end. And, and now we lead to a period of complete uncertainty. The ideal situation, Dan, was Baker plays well, he earns the contract, the Browns go forward, they finally have their guy. This is the exact opposite of that. Would you rather cover a boring good team? <laughs> or a very interesting average or bad team? 
Uh, I'm here for the interesting. There's no doubt. Now, it was great last year when the Browns won, and they finally broke all these streaks that dated back to 2002 and, and even back some to the 90s. But um, they're not dull, and we'll see. Um, you know, quarterback searches are good for business. Zach, great appearance. Thank you. We appreciate your time, and uh, good luck with The Athletic. All right. Thank you. That's Zach Jackson. He covers the Browns NFL writer for The Athletic. Uh, he was pretty affirmative that they're going to move on from Baker Mayfield. Which, you know, the question is, how do you move on from Baker Mayfield? And what can you get in return for Baker Mayfield? And I don't know if this is a situation, and, and you start to look at hypotheticals, and it's, and it's dangerous territory for somebody in my position to do this. But let's say you're Seattle. Let's say Russell Wilson wants out. Uh, maybe you don't want to send him to the NFC, just like the Packers don't want Rodgers to go to an NFC team. Would you look at that situation and say, we'll take Baker Mayfield that final year of his contract. Let him play for a new contract. And then trade Russ. Maybe you get some draft picks, uh, high draft picks there for Russell Wilson. Maybe. But if, if I'm Seattle and Russ wants out and we're not going to change our head coach, then what are we going to get in return? Who's going to be our quarterback? What are we going to do next season at that position? Green Bay, I guess you're locked in with Jordan Love. You better be, because if Aaron leaves, then here you go. You assume, what if Russell Wilson says, I played my college ball at Wisconsin. How about, how about I go to Green Bay? <laughs> don't, don't the Packers have to give Jordan Love another, another contract soon? Yeah. I, I think he's got one more year one in his contract. One more year? Yeah, I think. I, I have him making $1.1 million, which is the same as the Alabama quarterback. No, 20... no, no, no. Bryce Young made more money than more money. Jordan Love. He yeah. made 1.3. They have him as an option in the next two years. But you're going to have Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be in the hopper, you would think. Matt Ryan, maybe. Uh, Russ, maybe Rodgers. Deshaun Watson. Quarterback position in the offseason is awesome. Awesome. All right, we'll take a break. We will uh, bring in Al Michaels. The legendary Al Michaels will join us coming up next. Take a break here. Back after this in the Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. I just saw where David Bowie's estate was sold. You guys want to take a guess? Ballpark figure for David Bowie's catalog. His music. Yes, Todd? $138 million. All right. Seems exact, but it's wrong. Front row, David Bowie's music catalog. Paulie? Was, I think Springsteen was too large. 200 large? No, I think he was... I he's I, closer to 500. Oh, yeah. I'll go $225 million for 225, Bowie. $225, Seton O'Connor. I'm going to go 226 I'm going to go with Seton O'Connor. It's, <laughs> nice, it's 250. Hey, those are the rules. That's, he knows how to work it like yeah. that. Price is right. $250 million. Winner, winner. David Bowie. Al Michaels, Hall of Fame broadcaster. Sunday night football, play-by-play voice. And, of course, it's winning you're in. Chargers in Las Vegas to battle the Raiders. Coverage starts at 7 Eastern on NBC and Peacock. Al, how are you today? Hello, Bob Barker. That's, that's you, right? Well, I was up for the job, Price is Right. 
And uh, after, after Bob stepped down, they offered me the job of the price is right. So what was the, what was the David Bowie final price? I didn't hear what you said. $250 million. 250 Yeah. So he's half of what Springsteen was, right? Yeah. Pretty much so. What about Juice Newton? What do you think? Uh, Juice Newton? Her, 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 her library <laughs> will, will go for. <laughs> what was your first concert, Al? Oh, uh, good question. Tommy Dorsey? Jimmy Dorsey? <laughs> <laughs> You're not that old. I can't remember. <laughs> You don't uh, remember Benny your Goodman. <laughs> Benny Goodman? What do, you want me to... what do you want me to tell you? Tchaikovsky? <laughs> did, did you see did you see Mozart? <clears throat> I did not see him personally, but uh I was able to log in. Wait, wait, uh, okay, hold uh, on. on the... Al, you yeah. have one of the greatest memories that I've ever been around when it comes to sports. And you cannot remember your first concert? I can't. But I can remember the last one or one of the most recent ones. I went to a Springsteen concert. I had never been to a Springsteen concert. And his good buddy is the great sitcom director, Jimmy Burroughs, longtime friend of mine. And so Jimmy took me backstage afterwards. I thought it was one of the most fantastic things I'd ever seen. Four hours, yeah. L.A. Sports Arena. He gets crowd surfed. You know, he's in his uh, mid to late 60s at that point going on for four four consecutive hours and i remember walking back into the uh, dressing room and it was uh, it was pretty awesome to to meet the boss himself and i said hey man i said uh, uh first time quarter long time listener <laughs> he said I'd, n- I'd never been to a concert but uh, to, to one of his but that was you know it was inspiring to see this guy doing what he did every other night this is not that that long ago and uh that's the last one I can remember. But the first one, I've got to, I've got to think about it, Dan. I really do. But when's the last time you you approached a player after a performance in a game? Like here, here you're seeing Springsteen as a fan, but have you ever gone up to a player after a game just to say, "I just want to say," or whatever sport, all the sports you've covered? I've texted, but you know, when it comes to the end of the game, we're just trying to beat the traffic. So, I mean, we're out of there. <laughs> we don't go down, Chris and I, and Michelle, well, Michelle's down in the field talking to the star of the game, but uh, I've texted a few of the guys, yeah. I mean, we've had some spectacular Tom Brady performances, Peyton Manning, of course, through all of those years, uh, Aaron Rodgers, you know, the guys that you would most expect. And, uh, you know, just a little text exchange about, hey, that was fantastic and, and, and great for the ratings, too. <laughs> More importantly, but even after the miracle on ice, like did did you even think about saying something to Mike Aruzioni for for what happened? Well, that's how I found out the story of what Herb Brooks had said in the locker room uh, before the third period of the Finland game. I ran into Mike on the street in Lake Placid. Everybody's getting ready to leave town, and I said to him, because remember the U.S. had beaten the the Soviets on Friday night, but still had one more game. Had to beat Finland on Sunday, and the game had started at 11 in the morning. We're trailing 2-1 to one going into the third period. And I said, what, what was it like in the locker room before the third period? And Mike said, Brooks got up there and he said, if you lose this game, you will take it to your bleeping grave. <laughs> Which was probably 
as good a pep talk as has ever been given, better than anything that Newt Rockney or Lombardi or anybody could have given in any locker room. And you know what? When you think about what Brooks said to that team, it's 10,000% correct. Because these guys, instead of dining out on a gold medal 42 years ago now, they would have gone around and people would have said, now, wait a second, you beat the Soviets and you lost to Finland? What? So uh, it was. It, those were the perfect words that were uttered by Herb Brooks that day. But also, your great call would have been a casualty. If they didn't win the gold medal, do you believe in miracles wouldn't have the same ring that it does? So if they lose to Finland, I probably could have said, do you believe in debacles? <laughs> but... <laughs> <laughs> it all it all worked out. Yeah. And you know, Aruzioni, of course, with the with the game winning goal in the third period, uh has has really dined out on this baby. <laughs> I'm so he's he's you've met him. He's yes. such a great guy and it's it's been fantastic to watch to watch that run through the years. I, I did introduce him one time, the Sports Illustrated Sportsman of the Year, and they had all these mm-hmm. luminaries in the audience, and I'm sure. going around the room and I go, Oh, there's Mike uh, Ruzioni. Uh, still on scholarship in America. <laughs> he didn't like that, that I said, oh, yeah, there's a guy who's st- still still on scholarship. For people who didn't meet John Madden, that we listened to him or we watched him, you were friends with him, you were close with him. What didn't we see with John Madden? You know, what you, what you saw is what you got. And, and people say to me, well, what was he really like? And I said, he was really like pretty much what you saw. He was full of life. He was full of energy. He was a a great conversationalist. I I said the other day, a great teacher, but a terrific listener and wanted to learn, was very curious, uh, loved, you know, traveling around the country, being with people. And and he, he enjoyed that. And there wasn't anything about John that said, hey, look, you know, I'm a big celebrity. I'm one of the most recognizable people in the country. No. It was none of that. He was more interested in absorbing things than in, in, in playing any sort of, uh, of a role. Going out to dinner with him was fantastic. And I mean, when I think about my seven years with him and we did, I don't know, 150 games together in three Super Bowls, all I really think about it are the great times we had at dinner talking about football, of course, but everything but football. And he was... Um, he was so special. By the way, I've got to, I was just thinking of something this morning that really hasn't been out there that you might be, you'll be interested in this. So John comes to me in 2002 because Pat Summerall is going to step aside. And it's about time for John to, you know, maybe either move on and get a new partner. And ABC approaches him and I get John from 2002 through 2008, seven, seven seasons. John almost came to Monday Night Football in 1994 which was when CBS lost the rights, Fox gained the rights to the NFC. Who were they going to hire? This is before they hire Pat and John and, and, and the whole production crew. So ABC now goes after John. And there is a meeting in New York in 90, right after this happened in 94 between the top ABC executive and John's representative at that time. And there was a handshake and a toast that John was going to come to Monday Night Football. And I got the call from our exec that night, and I went to bed that night thinking John is my partner beginning in 1994. The next day, Rupert Murdoch comes in 
and writes an $8 million a year check to John. <laughs> and that was the end of that. And that created uh, this, you know, this a logger hedge thing between the ABC executive and Barry's, uh, excuse me, and uh, J John's uh, representative at the time, which uh, which went on for a lot of years. But we thought we had John in 1994. Did the network think of like tuning him down a little bit? Like what? I don't know if if he was too he was so different from everybody else. So did they try to calm him down a little bit with his approach to being an analyst? Well, I don't think uh, Fox did. I think that, uh, you know, had he come over to ABC? No. I mean, when you, if you were going to sign John Madden to do the show, yeah. you wanted him to be John Madden. Why, why would you tune him down? The, the thing with him was he had established a new template. Uh, people loved it. He was a guy who, as you know, spawned a whole bunch of imitators, but nobody, you know, there was only one John Madden. And nobody else could play the role of John Madden and be authentic. So there was no way you could do that. I know when John came to me after he'd been with Pat for uh, 20 or 21 years, we talked about the fact that uh, that maybe I was more I was I, I spoke more than Pat did. I wanted to engage John in certain conversations, which I'd heard him through the years. He would talk about and I wanted to go deeper. And I said, hey, are you OK if I. If we go this way, he said, I'd love it. So that was how we started. And then the first game that we did together was the Hall of Fame game in 2002. And Dan, by the time we got to the second commercial, I thought I'd work with him for 20 years. Really? It was that simple. It was that easy. And it's tricky because as the play-by-play -play guy, setting up your analyst is 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 delicate. And, and there's a delicate balance in those who do it well. You know, Nance does it. What Nance does to me is more impressive than what Tony Romo does because Jim has to kind of set up Tony and then weave back into the play-by-play. How did you do that with with John, where you you get he gets in and, and then gets out and then you go back to the play-by-play? I think when the two of us were paired together in 2002, I had heard him for over 20 years. He was always on the bus after we did a Sunday game watching Monday Night Football. He'd heard me do hundreds of games. So I know Fred Gadelli, our producer at that time, and still is, obviously, um, Fred had said to both of us when we uh, were paired, hey, you guys want to do kind of a rehearsal game? We'll sit in the studio and we'll play a tape. And... I was the senior partner at that point because John was coming to, to us. And I, I looked at John and I, I said, I don't think we need to do this. And then John told me on the way out of the room, he said, I'm glad you said that. Because that would have been artificial. I think John and I, when we got together, understood each other's rhythm. And there was not the remotest concern on my part. It wouldn't fold in. Setting up the analyst is not necessarily asking a question. It's you got to know what the, where the other guy's brain is. And we both had that rhythm. And the great thing about John is he was so well versed, not only in football, but everything. There wasn't one time I could say something that we hadn't talked about beforehand and know that John wouldn't be ready for it. He was he was that good. So you, when, when you're working with somebody like that, you have all the confidence in the world. You can go anywhere. And he, he's right with you. We're talking Al Michaels, NBC Sports, of course, and uh, the win and you're in, the Chargers and the Raiders. Uh, is there part of you rooting for an L.A.-based team to play in the Super Bowl? 
Not necessarily, because, uh, yeah, I know I live here, and uh, whatever is going to happen uh, on February 13th, I'm I'm good with that. I mean, uh, we've got some great perspective matchups. You know what I, I would really like to see uh, Sunday night? You know what I root for in every game? Overtime. Because <laughs> overtime means there's drama. And all, all announcers, you know, people say, oh, you're rooting for this team or that team, and that's garbage. What you're rooting for is drama. What you're not rooting for is Dallas leading Washington 42 to 7 at the half, <laughs> which we had, you know, two weeks ago. That's not what you want. And it's not that you're not rooting for, for one team or the other. It's, I love when it gets down to the end and you've got great strategy. And I mean, the end of that, like the Cincinnati Kansas City game was crazy the other day. And Jim and Tony, I thought, did a, a great job with that. But I mean, you have all these plays. You know, when do you take the timeout? What do you do here? You got the penalties all over the place. That's what you root for. You root for – look, I always wanted to do the first overtime Super Bowl, uh, and um, Joe and, and Troy got it, of course, 28-3. to three. I couldn't believe it. You know, 28-3, and that, <laughs> that's the game that goes to overtime. But what I really like to see happen February 13th is like quadruple overtime, the greatest Super Bowl of all time. How's your golf game, by the way? <laughs> Thanks for asking. <laughs> would you give me a swing thought this is it's so you know i have on my phone here i know if you can well i can't show it to you right now i have swing thoughts i have 623 that's the swing problem thoughts. that's the problem <clears throat> yeah, i know the brain gets in your way you know that yeah. right yes so and then what, what do i do do i start from the top and go down and then you know i have a lot of you know the, a few swing thoughts are in caps a few swing Swing thoughts have, you know, like like uh, words you can't use on on this show. Then there are the others with like nine exclamation points. And when Marty Fish, who's a pal, belongs to, you know, Bel Air, Marty, you know, was winning the um, tournament in Tahoe a couple of years ago. And he's going into the final round. But I sent him my whole list. <laughs> I said, pick any five at my expense. So he he won it anyway. I think he threw it in the garbage. Nick Fowler. Uh, you know, it, it's, 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 it's in your – what you need in golf is a lobotomy. That's what you need. <laughs> but great athletes don't think. They've already thought before they get into that position. Right. And we always right. go, what were you thinking? And a lot of athletes go, I, I, I wasn't yeah. thinking anything. Dan, when you hit a great golf shot, and it's like six seconds later, and you're thinking – well, wait a minute. What did I do? <laughs> That's why that game is unbelievably fascinating. And uh, but right now I'm kind of a, I'm in as uh, uh, Jerry Jones said about Dak Prescott a few weeks ago. I'm in a slump. Ooh. All right, but I hope like Dak to come out of that slump and have the kind of game that Dak had against Washington. Is that your office at your house? It's uh, yeah, it's, it's upstairs, and I have behind me well Ebbets Field because I grew up in Brooklyn. And I love New York, and the Empire State Building is there, and uh, the Bay Bridge, because we lived in the Bay Area. So um, I, I move all over the house, sometimes with the kitchen table, sometimes with the dining room table, some, up, sometimes I'm up here. What's the best you know, piece of sports memorabilia you have? Uh, what's the best piece? I have a laminated ticket to the U.S.-Soviet hockey game somewhere downstairs, yeah. And I, I don't I don't collect a lot of stuff. Uh, and my wife actually gave me a montage on the 25th anniversary of a lot of great stuff that had happened up until that point. And that's about it. You know, and b by the way, I think I have a ton of Sports Illustrated, 
which my wife has finally taken out of the house. She did about four years ago and put them in public storage. So, because I mean, they were just taking up too much room. So if you come out here, the next time we'll go to public storage and I'll take you all the way back to like the 1960s. <laughs> I would go with, with you. Sports Illustrated. Yeah, I, of course. I, it's fun. I, I would go with you. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. with the, uh, the advent of now everybody's gambling and you can talk about it openly, it kind of hurts that little subtle over under I mean, it does. Yeah, I, I feel, yeah. I feel I for see, you. I, I, <laughs> right. you're, I know your heart bleeds. Yes, um, <laughs> I, I, you know, I can still jam it in there a little bit. Uh, but right. I mean, pe- there are people who still get a kick out of it. But these days, um, it's 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 completely different. You don't have to uh, hide it. I mean, the leagues are all uh, in, in partnership with all of the the DraftKings and and the Caesars and the rest of the operations. But, you know, I just, it's, I have a lot of fun with it, Dan, but I just hope that people don't bet the rent money or the mortgage money on it. Just, uh, it's the old thing about, you know, do it responsibly and hopefully people will, will do it responsibly. It's fun to do. There's no question. You're, you're more engaged in the game, but when you get, you know, over the top with it, that's dangerous. You know that. Great to talk to you. And uh, good luck As with always. the golf game. Good luck with the golf game. Thoughts and prayers. Send me a cup. Would you, give me one thought. Give, okay. give me one Here swing thought. There you go. One. When you, yeah. when, you, when you take the swing back, yes. go Johnny Miller. Oh, okay. Johnny Miller. Miller. Roger oh. Staubach. That gives Tiger. You Ooh, no, 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 no. You, you need... I need a couple no, you of need, syllables. You need, two, you need two syllables Johnny on Johnny Miller. Okay. Let me write that down here. Hold on. This is going to number 647. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Al. That's uh, the great Al Michaels, Hall of Fame broadcaster, Sunday Night Football. The winner grabs the AFC wildcard spot. It'll be the Raiders and the Chargers. Take a break. Close up shop after this. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. He's Mike Carmen. I'm Dan Byard. We have a brand new fantasy football podcast called I Want Your Flex. Twice a week, every Tuesday and Friday, we come up with new episodes to not only look back at what happened, what you need to do at that minute, and also look ahead of what's coming up in the fantasy football world. That's right, Dan. Every week, we're going to scour the waiver wire to find the pickups to turbo boost your fantasy lineup, sits, starts, fantasy football players' rankings to get you ready to dominate the competition. Listen to I Want Your Flex with Mike Harmon and me, Dan Beyer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. Paulie's had an interesting dating life. Now he's got a lovely wife, Dana, but I knew Paulie when he was single and Paulie will tell you a story. He'll go, yeah, it reminds me. I dated this woman. She was a beautiful woman, but she always had her hair down. And I go, okay. And uh, he said, you know, it, it was like a month into the relationship and she had her hair pulled back, <laughs> and she had these big ears. And I said, well, uh, well, what did you do? Disproportionately big ears, because every other part of her was <laughs> fine. 
I guess you'd say. Okay. And it was shocking. It's like when someone takes off their hat and they're, they're bald and you don't expect them to be <laughs> yeah. bald. Like Tim McGraw. Whenever Tim McGraw takes off his hat, now he has a hairpiece now. But, you know, there were times it's like some of these country guys, they'll be like, take off their cowboy hat. And you go, oh, now I know why you keep your cowboy hat on. But so she had big, bigger ears than normal. Not so much big, but out. Oh, out. More oh. out than big, okay. I would say. And when we were... Um, when I met her, she was at a bar and, of course, in New York City, and she had her hair down. So it wasn't like false advertising. I'm not blaming her. But uh, it was pretty shocking a month later. Yes, Tom. And Paulie's offering her earmuffs, and it's like 81 <laughs> degrees outside. It's like mid-August. Like yeah. That's kind of awkward. Yeah. Hey, I was going to uh, wear my hair up uh, for tonight uh, going to dinner. No, 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 no. I like it, uh, I like it down. Fourth yeah. of July weekend going to the beach. Why don't you wear your hair down? It's so much better. <laughs> Oh, uh, of course, we're so perfect. Yes. I, I wonder what women are saying about or, or did say about us. Polly just Googled her and uh, her picture popped up and her hair's down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, anywho, anywho, uh, we have uh, a new game called the Antonio Brown game. And uh, are we ready to play it? Are we playing the Antonio Brown game? Yes, we are. All right, there we go. Music sounds familiar. It's any game that we play has this music. Accurate. The Antonio Brown game. Who is the host of the... Paulie is the host of the Antonio Brown game. Thank you, Dan. All right. At the end of the... Okay, at the end of the football season, at the end of the Super Bowl... Okay. Antonio Brown will still be technically a member of the roster for the Tampa Bay Bucks. Or possibly playing for the Bucks, either on the roster or playing for the Bucks. So you, you cover both. Now, you guys thought it was preposterous that I said, what about if Antonio Brown plays nice, talks to Tom Brady, I made a mistake, I reacted, I want to be here, Tom still wants to win Super Bowls, and Antonio Brown gives him a better chance. You only have to, you only have to convince one person, and that person is Bruce Arians. Seaton O'Connor. Gotta admit, when you said that, I thought it was crazy. I've come uh, kind of exactly the opposite direction now, okay. 180 degrees. All right, tell I, me. He might even play this weekend. Tell, tell me why. Because, okay, about five hours ago, there's a little conspiracy theory ish, but okay. about five hours ago, Antonio Brown posted to Instagram right. from Davis Island, which is in Tampa. Right. And in it, in one of the pictures, he's wearing a. Buccaneers Super Bowl champions hat. <laughs> Boom! He is back. <laughs> well, he's back in Tampa. He's back in Tampa. Then again, he could have taken these pictures at any point over the last year. But Do, what are the other options we have? Okay, so he's either on the Bucks roster or playing for the Bucks. That's choice one. Okay. He plays in the playoffs for another team, or he is unemployed. Never makes another roster. Cut and not picked up. At the end of the Super Bowl, the, what is his? What happens to him? Yes, Todd. I'm going to say unemployed slash free agent. He's not going to be with okay. the team. I think he's had too many missteps. Why can you trust him now, even if he went to Tom and said, I made a mistake, I flipped out, I apologize, take me back? Thank you, Todd. You're welcome. I am going to say unemployed. Unemployed. Could they be pressured to cut him this week so he has the opportunity to play elsewhere? Well, Could the players you can step in? I, d- I think that's, that's going to be what's the interesting part of this. If, if, you know, whether he was, he was wrong in what he did to the team, but he still has rights to be able to say, hey, you're, you said I'm no longer with the team, let me go. 
then the question is, is there money to be spent? Can he sign with another team? I, it feels like they want to put him on the injured reserve list. It, it, it feels like Tampa is going to be going, no, you're, you're not going to, you know, kind of act this way and get, get your way after doing this. Yes, Fritzy. Bruce Aarons may look like a fool if he was to take him back, but do you think it's possible, since he's such a player's coach, he would have some kind of vote in the locker room and just kind of throw it out there to the team who's willing to give this guy another chance? I have no idea. I have no idea. Feels like, Bruce, at some point you, you've drawn a line in the sand. you got to stay with the line that you've drawn. They keep moving it, but it feels like, you know, this. if Tom Brady says, hey, coach, I promise you, give him one more shot here. Yes, you. you need, Brady needs to get A.B. to hold it together for five or six more weeks. Yeah. That's it. And then you never see him again. Uh, final results of the poll question. And, oh, uh, yeah, that's me. Yeah. You're... By the way, this is very exciting. Uh, the poll question today was, should off-field behavior factor into uh, MVP voting? 50-50, a.k.a. the perfect poll. It's okay. like throwing a perfect game. Yeah, I've been called that before. Yes, Paulie. Yeah, you know in sports radio, anytime a poll question is 50-50, we think we put together a great poll question. Yes, we do. Crushed. Uh, this day in sports history, Paulie? Uh, 1920, the New York Yankees purchased Babe Ruth from the Boston Red Sox for 125 grand. How many that. times a year do they do that? <laughs> I don't know. It's a, like a, once every three months. Oh, this is the day that they put. Yeah. <laughs> it's the fallback. Babe Ruth is always on this list. 1993, Mike Ditka was fired as coach of the Chicago Bears. And on this day, 1993, Reggie Jackson elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame. Let's go around the room and find out what we learned on the program. Todd, what did you learn today? I learned Aaron Rodgers takes pride in always being unapologetic apologetically himself uh seaton o'connor what did you learn nick wright is shredded <laughs> we nick wright <laughs> sent us the video of him changing a tire with his shirt off i mean he's in his 30s he should look ripped but uh you know it's impressive performance by him paulie what'd you learn nick wright wants us to post a video of him changing yes, the tire shirtless yes he does Todd, what did I learn? Al Michaels recently went to a Bruce Springsteen concert for his first time. You met the boss backstage after the four-hour performance. What do you think Bruce said when he saw Al Michaels? Oh, how you doing? <laughs> All right. Hey, Al. Mercedes-Benz SUV family provides the best. I don't, I'm sorry, Mercedes. I'm, I, I don't have it in me. Buy a Mercedes. They're awesome. All right. <laughs> 